From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Well, it's that time again. We're in an election year, and the pundits are saying there could be a massive red wave taking back the U.S. House and Senate. Democrats would love to pass a trainload of gun control measures, but they're being blocked at every turn. What will happen? What does it mean for gun rights? And how can you get involved? That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by David Conte, Campaign Field Representative with NRA ILA. Hi, David. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Dean. Thank you for, uh, for having me back. Well, it's been a while since you've been here. What have you been up to? Well, I think since the last time I was on, um, I have traveled to uh, about uh, 32 different states, uh, That's most it? Of those, <laughs> you're getting, well, you're getting most lazy. Of those, <laughs> most of those uh, multiple times, and uh, I was able to fit in uh, another move. I've, I've moved to another location within Ohio. This is my uh, 22nd or 23rd total move uh, in my lifetime. Wait, you, wait a minute. You've, you've moved 22 times? Uh, yes. Wow. I, I yeah. didn't. I didn't know that. I've I've moved. I don't know half a dozen times, eight times. I thought that was a lot. No, no. I've I've gotten it down to a science uh, where uh, most boxes uh, stay full, and um, uh, just unpack the stuff that I need. And uh, but uh, I've been a resident of Ohio uh, in various locations uh, many times over the last uh, ten years, uh, and you know, very happy to continue my my residency uh, here. And so your your wife came with you, or is this? Did she finally kick you out? Uh, no, no, no. She uh, she's moved, and uh, location that we're in is is mainly, uh, you know, for for her convenience, for for her work. Uh, but um, uh, you know, we we love Ohio. Well, I've moved a few times, and honestly, I just hate it. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, we we've been in our current home, oh, what sixteen years. Something like that. But every move has just been a nightmare, mostly because about 95% of everything in the house does not belong to me. So <laughs> if, if my wife, when my, when my wife finally leaves me, and it's probably inevitable, she's going to need a couple of 18-wheelers, okay? If I move, I can go to U-Haul and get the smallest little trailer they have to drag behind my SUV. And that's, all, that's it. I probably won't even fill that up. So, so when she kicks me out, it'll be easy. Yeah, for for, for us, it's it's pretty fifty fifty. So it's uh, mutually, you know, uh, you know, painful uh, decision to make, uh, you know, for a move. So, which in some aspects makes it a little bit easier that we both have to communicate uh, uh, properly on on where and, and when we're going to move. I, we've had movers make fun of us, like on all the stuff that we have, and why do you have that? And wow, you have a lot of those. You know, and uh, so that that's never fun. But I, I think we're going to stick here a while just because uh, we filled up the house. I'm not sure where else we could go, where we would put it all. 
So I, I'm, I'm more of a tosser, you know, get rid of it. She's sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum and doesn't like to get rid of anything. I'll open a drawer and I'll find a grocery receipt from five years ago. And it's like, seriously? So, uh, yeah, I think the moving may cause the divorce. So maybe, <laughs> maybe for domestic tranquility, we just don't move. So I, I, I don't envy you that process. Well, David, I, uh, I got an email the other day, and you are announcing the first 2022 Grassroots webinar, and that's on January 31st. Is that right? So uh, there's going to be a series of uh, three of them at the Great American Outdoor Show uh, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And um, uh, as uh, as a lot of you know, you know, the NRA has been, you know, managing that show uh, for the last several years. And we've had a number of different, uh, you know, seminars, uh, but this year will be our first uh, grassroots um, uh, seminar there. This is going to be encompassing, uh, you know, legislative and also election conversation with the uh, the focus on, you know, elections have consequences. Now, everybody's invited uh, to this, but there will be a large section that will be primarily focused on the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, Pennsylvania has a lot of stuff uh, going on, just like uh, Ohio does with the governor's race, Senate race, and a multitude of uh, you know, U.S. House races uh, going on there. And legislatively, uh, last year they passed uh, in the House and the Senate uh, constitutional carry, but the, uh, the current, current governor there uh, ended up uh, vetoing uh, that uh, that piece of legislation. So, you know, sitting people down, uh, helping them understand how they can get involved uh, in the process, and uh, and helping them understand, uh, you know, what's going on every day. Most people just kind of put their blinders on and uh, don't really realize, you know, how much uh, they can uh, affect uh, uh, given uh, election or a piece of legislation. So is this separate from the, the online webinar or are you going to do the, the uh, Harrisburg webinar? Uh, the Harrisburg seminar is also going to be a webinar. How's that working? I'm, I'm talking about the one that was announced for January 31st. So uh, January 31st uh, kicks off our um, uh, this year's uh, series of virtual uh, webinars, town halls. Uh, this is something that we started uh, a couple years ago. I believe it was uh, 2020 uh, was when we we first started this, and uh, this is these are nationwide uh, that uh, you know anybody you know can sign up for uh, through our our front lines uh, system. This particular one uh, we're going to have uh, a couple different uh, uh, speakers. Um, the director of legislative affairs is going to give like a, a, a broad overview what's going on nationally. We're also going to have somebody from our uh, legal department uh, giving uh, an update on the various uh, lawsuits uh, that uh, that we're in uh, across the United States. I'm sure they're probably going to be covering uh, the emergency powers uh, piece of um, legal work that we've been doing out in California, which uh, there was a favorable decision there. Uh, of course, uh, you know, an update of what's going on on the Supreme Court uh, cases that we've been working on um, and uh, kind of bring you up to date, uh, you know, uh, kind of like a, a 30,000 foot view of what's been going on over the last uh, 12 months uh, legally 
and also legislatively uh, throughout the United States. Uh, and each one of these will be, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, some of our lobbyists, uh, you know, get involved, kind of give updates, uh, talk about uh, the nuances between, you know, different states. Uh, and then some of them will be uh, grassroots uh, level seminars where we'll take, uh, you know, one or two topics and kind of focus on, you know, how you, you the individual volunteer, uh, can get involved in, and get a better understanding of those particular topics. So how do people sign up for this uh, online grassroots webinar? So if you're already not getting it, the NRA is a very broad structure, uh, and I'm sure different departments are bombarding, you know, all of your, your inboxes. Uh, but there's one, uh, you know, way to get on to the grassroots email, and uh, that is going to nrailafrontlines.com. Once you log on to that website, uh, you'll see a little link there uh, to, uh, to get involved. Click on that. And then that will take you to a form to fill out. And then that way you can get all of our grassroots emails. Now, one thing that you won't get from those emails, you won't get you know membership solicitations. You won't get any solicitations for donations. The NRA ILA grassroots or Frontlines account is purely just to keep you informed on what's going on legislatively and also what's going on uh, through elections. Uh, and it's a great conduit, you know, to see what's going on on the federal level and also on the local level as well. And I think it's important to uh, point out, I mean, we have this problem because we have an association, we have a PAC, we have a foundation, they're, they're different entities. ILA is not the same thing as NRA. So ILA, that that's your, that's your grassroots, that's your elections, that's your... A political side, right? So that that's why you're not going to get all those emails for donations and membership and all that. This is to keep up to date. I get those all the time. They're very informative. And if if you want to attend a webinar like this, this is where those invitations would come from. So that's a separate email list. That's what you're saying. Absolutely, and it's uh, it's purely housed within you know our our department. And if it comes to you know in regards to one of my states you know, Ohio in particular, uh, I am the person uh, that manages that list and I am the person that sends out uh, those emails. And I try very, very hard uh, to keep it to a bare minimum. Uh, there's always a bunch of, you know, legislation that's, you know, you know, being talked about out there. Uh, but unless, you know, it is a credible threat uh, or it's moving forward in a committee, uh, that is when, you know, I take that moment to inform you. Uh, I don't like to waste anybody's time uh, with uh, with legislation or information uh, that is, um, you know, not going to be moving, you know, uh, in, in a meaningful way. Right. And we do the same thing. I, the way I would phrase it a little more bluntly is we don't gaslight people and, and you don't either. And there are a lot of groups out there who will do that. Any excuse to send out something to, to spin people up, mostly it's because they want donations and I, I've never done that with BFA. We, we don't operate that way. And I know you guys don't either. If you get an alert from us saying, here's something that's happening, here's something that needs to be done, it's because it's real. It's not just, I, I got a, an alert this morning from another group and they were talking about something. I dug into it and I found out, you know, this is just all made up. They're not, they're just making an assumption. There's no legislation actually moving. 
So that sure. is not helpful because it wastes your time. And, and we don't want to do that. And I know that ILA does not do that. In the end, it also desensitizes you. You know, if you're constantly bombarded with, you know, negativity or, you know, gaslighting, uh, you know, uh, the normal person will just tune you out. So you have to make it very uh, focused uh, and it has to be credible uh, to keep, you know, your credibility. And uh, that way, you know, your the likelihood of uh, your volunteers to take action uh, when we need them to, you know, uh, uh, happens. So there's the online uh, webinar that people can sign up for. And then you mentioned previously uh, out in Harrisburg. Uh, when did the NRA take over that show? Off the top of my head, I believe it was within within the decade, you know, probably within the last uh, 10 years, uh, we took over that show. Uh, but that show has been going on uh, for decades. Or didn't that used to be run by an outfit out of England? Or some English guys yes. ran that? And then they sort of got anti-gun back when people started wanting to ban ARs. And th- there was a big uh, hubbub about that. And then eventually NRA bought it, took it over. And it it's now the largest show of its kind anywhere in the world. It's a nine-day show. I mean, it's massive. Absolutely. And um, uh, it's it's kind of hard for me to, uh, you know, help people understand how big uh, that show is. And, you know, where you have, you know, a football field uh, that is just outfitters. And then you have like a, you know, a basketball, you know, uh, court uh, that is just archery. And then another, you know, football field that is just, you know, RVs and boats. And then another room, you know, similar in size uh, that is just, you know, firearms. Uh, I mean, it is, I've traveled around the United States and I've been to, you know, large and small shows. I've never seen another show uh, that is, you know, quite the size of uh, Great American is. It's not like the NRA meetings. That's pretty much all guns. I mean, it's massive. And, but it's all guns, and you know, like shot show. But this one, they they have the one building. When I've been there, the one building with guns, and then other buildings with other stuff. It's in that agricultural center, massive everything. Nine days, and I've actually worked that show. Have you ever worked that show? Uh, many times. Uh, uh, I think two or three times uh, from start to finish. Wow. Yeah. And uh, the last couple of years, I'm usually. You know, typically there are only four to five days, uh, but it is uh, it is definitely a commitment uh, to be there for the full time. And I encourage anybody and everybody, you know, if you're going to be going out to that event, uh, you know, uh, you can get your tickets, you know, ahead of time online and uh, and plan out your visit. Uh, you know, it's very similar to, you know, other large events that uh, you just can't see everything. Uh, and certainly not, uh, certainly not in a single day. So if there's, you know, a very specific, uh, you know, topic that you want to focus on, whether it's archery, whether it's, um, you know, RVs, you know, firearms, uh, camping, you know, whatever it may be, you know, find out where those vendors are. Uh, and that's that's one great thing about uh, Great American is uh, the planners uh, and the logistics uh, teams uh, do a very very good job of keeping those different vendors uh, clustered together. Uh, that way, you know, you don't have to bounce, you know, all over the place to, uh, you know, get everything and, you know, anything on on one particular 
you know, subject. Yeah, nine days is a long time to work it uh, when you're in a booth. Uh, I mean, it's like a three-day three show or a two-day show. Those are rough. But nine days, man, that's a marathon when you're standing behind a booth and dealing with people. And the, and the place is packed. I mean, it's, you just can't believe how many people show up at this place. And you're right. You can spend you can spend a whole day just in one building, looking at at just you know RVs or grills, or fishing gear, or you can plan a safari. Uh, you know, could they have all the all the big uh, outfits come in to pl- to plan safaris? It's just it's it's overwhelming. The NRA show is overwhelming for me. You know, it's like Christmas on steroids, and I'm not sure even how to describe Great American. But if you've never been there, you got to go there at least once. But it, it's a commitment. You've got to plan it and, um, and, and drive out there. Absolutely. So we've talked about webinars and we've talked about having these in-person seminars like at the Great American Outdoor Show. You know, I remember not that long ago, David, that you would always physically meet with people. And I remember having a grassroots meeting here in Columbus in the early days of BFA. I think you were here. And we had a room full of people, and there was, you know, pizza, and some legislators showed up, and we were talking about grassroots and all of that sort of thing. These days, there's so much that happens online with Zoom. How has that really changed the whole game with grassroots action in politics? I mean, is it is it better? Is it worse? Is it just different? Or what what is all this Zoom stuff really changed when it comes to affecting elections and politics? First and foremost, I mean, we, we certainly haven't uh, gone away from in-person. Uh, I think last year we conducted across the United States a little over 100 uh, in-person you know, grassroots uh, workshops uh, just on uh, uh, Biden's uh, nomination of uh, David Shipman uh, alone, uh, and then another uh, about 100 to 150 other uh, in-person uh, workshops and uh, uh, seminars as well. When COVID-19 happened, you know, and started, you know, in March of uh, 2020, uh, you know, we had been doing some virtual stuff here and there. Uh, It wasn't routine. Uh, You know, a number of us were very hesitant. Uh, We weren't sure, you know, if people were going to, uh, you know, adopt it or, you know, get into it. Uh, But what we found was is that there was opportunities uh, that were escaping us from in-person, uh, you know, events. So in 2020, uh, when I started, because uh, in 2020, I managed our, our uh, election efforts in Ohio and Pennsylvania and several other states. Um, when I started doing virtual, one thing that I noticed was uh, the untapped uh, potential uh, in a number of different states that weren't my states uh, where people could get involved. And so people were flocking from, you know, behind enemy lines in New York and New Jersey and California, uh, and then states where they didn't have to worry too much, uh, like um, uh, Indiana uh, and, um, you know, Tennessee, you know, where people like in California were like, all right, it's too far gone here. How can I help a state where it would be meaningful. Uh, people in you know, Tennessee is like, look, I have this extra time. Can I help you out? And then I was able to focus them uh, in states like you know, 
Pennsylvania and Ohio. Uh, and with, you know, state-of-the-art uh, campaign uh, technology that the NRA deploys every year uh, during election time, I was able to put them to work uh, either doing, you know, text messaging, uh, virtual phone banking, uh, you know, filling out postcards, uh, contacting legislators, and then taking that burden off of my volunteers within those battleground states so they can just focus on in-person uh, voter interaction, uh, like, you know, doing events and, of course, door-to-door uh, -door activities. So, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, really got, uh, got kind of tired of virtual uh, events and virtual training. Uh, but uh, it is, you know, just one more arrow, you know, in my quiver that I will continue to use because uh, there's a lot of people out there that either A, aren't comfortable with in-person events, B, they work crazy schedules and they just can't make it, or C, they live out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, just unfortunately an in-person event is just not, you know, logistically feasible, you know, at this time. So, uh it's really, you know, been, uh, you know, a huge, you know, asset to us. And it's something that we continue to, you know, evolve uh, to keep it interesting, uh, to keep it relevant. Because uh, I think a lot of people, you know, misuse virtual, uh, you know, webinars. And, um, you know, so we're, we're continuing to, to, to learn from it. And, uh, you know, it will certainly be a, a large part uh, but probably not the largest part of, of my operations uh, here in uh, 2022. One thing I've noticed, and you can tell me if you've seen this as well, and it's this difference between those who are right-leaning and left-leaning. It seems like those on the left really, really love volunteer activity and they flock to it. Those on the right, not so much. They need a, a little more nudging. Have you found that to be true that, especially with gun owners, and conservatives in general, that they have a little bit more of a kind of leave me alone attitude? Do you think they need a little bit more pushing to get involved? Yeah, I, I certainly understand, you know, what you're getting at there. Um, and I think in the classical, you know, political campaigning sense, uh, you know, you, you've hit the nail, you know, right on the head. Uh, you know, conservatives want to be left alone. You know, they get out of work, they want to go home, they want to spend that time with their family. Uh, and then, you know, if they are going to get involved, it's usually, you know, later, you know, in the campaign, you know, cycle. And then on the other side, you know, you have uh, people uh, that are involved 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, 365 days a year. What I have found in the Second Amendment community, uh, those lines uh, get blurred, whereas, you know, a lot of my volunteers uh, they span a uh, political spectrum. You know, I have some people that are your Cold War liberals. And then on the other far of the, uh, you know, the spectrum, uh, they are, you know, staunch conservatives. And because that one issue, you know, unites them, uh, they will take an active part, uh, you know, year round. Uh, and I, I guess you would you would probably call them, you know, one issue you know, voters. And those people, you know, will be involved, you know, year round. And, and I don't want to label them as, you know, left or right. And we have to be careful, you know, not to get into that, uh, you know, R versus D 
uh, when it comes to our issue. It truly needs to be uh, nonpartisan. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to the parties, you know, one party definitely does have an advantage of, you know, volunteer, um, you know, activation and, uh, you know, volunteer involvement. Um, and uh, uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the Republican Party, you know, needs to, you know, be better about, uh, about engaging their, their volunteers uh, every single year, not just election years, off cycles uh, as well. Yeah, and you make a good point. Uh, you're right. Um, I, I know I used to make that mistake when I was writing articles and I would t- use the word liberal basically to mean anti-gun. And I stopped doing that because over time I realized that on this particular issue, it really didn't necessarily break down that way. Now, I mean, the number, there are going to be obviously more gun owners among conservatives than liberals, but that's not really how they divide. And especially now, after the past two years, we've seen a lot of people in other communities getting involved with guns, buying guns liberals buying guns because of what's been happening in a lot of these cities. So you're right. That really isn't a good way to, to break it down. But I was just talking about, you know, among those on the left, what I see is sort of a natural inclination to activism. And you tend to see the same people show up on, it's not just, you don't have an anti-gun community. It's you have a, a left-leaning community that shows up for every left-leaning issue. On our side, you tend not to see conservatives doing that. They, they do t- tend to get concerned about particular issues. For example, the, the the gun rights issue. So people will show up for that, but they won't necessarily show up for something that's economics related or, you know, something else. If it's abortion related, they're just on that issue, whatever it is. And that's sort of an interesting difference between the sides. And and they just really need to be, I guess, activated in different ways. Absolutely. Um, and that was probably, you know, the, the biggest frustration that I had, you know, prior to, you know, me being involved, you know, getting on board with the NRA. So, you know, for those of you that don't know, prior to, you know, 11 years ago, um, I did a lot of consulting work and a lot of uh, campaign management uh, in the state of Virginia. And it was like pulling teeth, trying to get, or, or I guess a better analogy would be, you know, herding cats, trying to get all the little factions of all those different issues together in one room and get those people, you know, uh, you know, focused on, you know, candidate or get the people that are concerned about this issue to get them rallied up about this other issue, you know, over here. Uh, so they wouldn't be, you know, blindsided on on their issue uh, later on. Um, it, it's always, you know, frustrated me. It's always fascinated me from a psychological, you know, standpoint. Uh, you know why there's such a difference between uh, how the left and the right, you know, look at, you know, uh, the same issue or or set of issues, and and how they get involved. Well, I think it's really an advantage in a way. Because while it might be generally easier to get those on the left to, you know, stand outside of a Kroger and do a survey, you know, they'll do that all day long. It'll be zero degrees. They don't care that they're going to do it because that's what they like to do or show up for a protest or whatever. But it doesn't work that way on our side. But what we do have is a Second Amendment community. 
where firearms are a part of their life. They, they own firearms, they take classes, they hunt, they they collect, they reload, they and just all of this stuff. And it's it's a real part of their life. And it, it that's you don't have that on the other side. It's a purely political issue. On our side, it's more of a lifestyle cultural issue. So Absolutely. I think that it's sort of their pros and cons on either side of that. But but it is really important. I mean, in the end, it's important to get involved because if you don't, who is going to? And I, I, on the left, there are a lot of big groups out there, and they just know they can call those groups, they can send an email on any given issue, and they're going to show up and do stuff. They will take orders. On our side, our folks, you know, the herding cats issue, I think, is, is putting it mildly. And don't take orders quite as well. But I think there's an awful lot of passion there. And if you care about the Second Amendment, if you care about rights, you really do have to get involved. You've got to do something. Don't just sit at home and complain about it. Absolutely. And, and coming out of you know, 2021, which, you know, uh, from our perspective, has been a phenomenally successful year, uh, you know, as far as uh, elections go in, in the state of Virginia uh, and also legislatively across the United States, uh, that passion, you know, that individual passion of, you know, volunteers and activists on the Second Amendment side uh, clearly demonstrated, you know, the power, you know, of the individual and their, uh, their drive uh, for things to change. Uh, in a number of states, uh, uh, you know, we had a, a number of initiatives, uh, you know, going and our people, you know, of course, you know, the anti-gun side, they would show up. Uh, did they really know much about the issue? No. Uh, but when our side showed up, uh, they were articulate. Uh, they were, you know, passionate. Uh, and they came there with facts. And uh, in the end of the, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they carried the day. Uh, and uh, a lot of good stuff was passed and uh, and moved forward in a, in a very positive way. So, you know, we're, we're coming up on primaries. Then we have a big um, general election later in the year, and I'm seeing this polling and a lot of stories showing how Democrats may be in serious trouble. Now, you know, you always have predictions every election cycle, but there is some really interesting data out there talking about this huge swing in people who identify as Republican. We've seen numbers with President Biden's approval numbers that are absolutely in the tank. First of all, do you buy it? Do you think that that's reliable? And if so, what does it mean for gun rights, you know, in the upcoming elections? Well, uh, yes and no. Uh, to to answer, you know, do I buy it? Uh, on one aspect, I mean, if history you know proves us anything, you know, the pendulum, you know, swings you know constantly, and uh, you know when Biden got in, and uh, you know the Democrats took over the House. Uh, they certainly overplayed their hand. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, uh, we're seeing now a backlash, you know, to that, uh, coupled with, uh, you know, historically high numbers of people in the House and the Senate retiring. Uh, it certainly, you know, presents a, a very interesting and, and exciting uh, an election year. Uh, in the U.S. House, there are multiple pathways uh, for, you know, pro-Second Amendment candidates uh, to win and for, you know, those 
uh, you know, candidates to uh, to take over on uh, the House and the Senate. It's a little bit more challenging, uh, but I definitely see some pathways there for uh, for victory. One thing I always have to guard, and and I don't like to look at polls. I don't like to you know, look at these predictions, you know, this far out. We're just under 300 days from election day. Uh, and so much, you know, can happen uh, within those 300 days. But um, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, but uh, we cannot confuse what we're hearing in the news with, you know, hard work that needs to happen. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, what this means to, to gun owners, so come this November, we're successful uh, and we're able to take back the House and the Senate. Uh, what that means is that for the remainder of this presidency, uh, this president can't pass anything. Uh, and so far, he hasn't been able to pass anything, uh, but it just guarantees it uh, that he won't be able to pass anything. Uh, but it also gives us the opportunity uh, to start introducing legislation and working on that, even though it you know, it won't pass the president, uh, but to work on it, fine tune it. So in 2024, when we can get a pro Second Amendment uh, president, uh, you know, we can start, uh, you know, moving that uh, legislation uh, forward and hopefully getting it to the, uh, the president's desk. So uh, don't get caught up in, uh, in, in what the news stories are, are, are saying. We have a lot of hard work to do. And uh, we have to, you know, pretend like we're we're behind, you know, ten points all the way until election day. So yeah, it's true that Biden has not been able to pass much of his agenda, but he does have a long list of gun control initiatives that he would like to enact, or at least the people around him would like to enact through him. Based on your discussions with people in different states, and and I'm not talking about what's possible, but just what are people most concerned about? In each state, uh, you know, there, there there's definitely some common uh, themes, but uh, uh, each state, you know, is kind of worried about uh, you know different uh, different things. Uh, so as I've uh, you know traveled, you know, Ohio, um, uh, the most uh, common thing is uh, an assault weapons ban. Uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, universal background checks, you know, seems to take the the number one slot, and then you uh, then. Uh, assault weapons ban, you know, is number two, uh, and and th- those are probably you know the top two that kind of bounce back and forth. Uh, magazine capacity, uh, you know, bans, you know, uh, bounces around uh, in uh, in Indiana, uh, but also you know assault weapons bans as well. Well, David, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us again. Keep up the good work, and I hope to have you back again soon. Well, thank you, and I certainly look forward to it. Have a great day. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code podcast to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.